Let's pray, guys. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for uh, this time, Father, as we just dive into your word, Lord. Thank you for church family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for those that are, are just here, Lord, just to worship and receive from you, Lord. Father, we just came in agreement uh, not that long ago that we will open our hearts to you, Father. Holy Spirit, do a work in us. Speak to us in your gentle voice. Show us your truth. Light up dark areas in our life that need light, Father God. But ultimately, thank you for allowing us to run to you and call ourselves a child of God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children shout out, amen and amen. Okay, so today I want to talk to you guys, uh, 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 kind of ties in with what we talked about last week. Last week we uh, talked about being infused with Christ and uh, the image of Christ, and you know, I'm not doing a series or anything like that, but there is a thread that can go in from last week to this week's message. Um, all of it actually can do that because we're always talking about Christ and his example and what he has uh, taught us through his scriptures when he walked this world and what he's still teaching us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. But there is one thing I have noticed when you read uh, the Gospels, when you see Jesus physically on earth walking the ground we walked on or walking on right now. And you will always see this, that people were always on the mind of Jesus. I'll say that again. People were always and still is always on the mind of Jesus. Okay? And so last week we talked about how we're infused with Christ, that Christ lives and dwells within us. The Spirit of God is, dwells within us. So if Christ has the people in mind, and yet the Scripture tells us that we, are, are, uh, we can have a mind of Christ if we rest in him, then we should also have people's interest in our mind as well. And so we're going to start with Mark chapter 6, verse 34, and it says this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, now that word crowd, he's talking about of people, okay? So when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd of people, he had compassion. Everyone say compassion. He had compassion on them and them being the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Did you hear that? He saw a crowd that were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, when a sheep is without a shepherd, that sheep is lost. So what Jesus saw when he saw the crowd of people he, that he had compassion for, he, he, he saw that they were lost and that they needed a shepherd. They needed a savior. They needed a heavenly father. And he had that compassion. Lost people. People that didn't know Christ or didn't know the word of God and what they had the problem. Lost people birthed compassion in Jesus. It birthed that. And I want you guys to think about that for a second. Actually, I want you guys to let that sink in. If Jesus that's infused in me and on the image of Christ, if Jesus himself had compassion for the people and just wanted to you know, give to the people, where should I stand if he's infused with me? Now, let's go a little step deeper. Even on Jesus' most difficult day, most difficult day, which is, was the day that he went to the cross, even on his most difficult day, people were still on his mind. 
People were still there on his mind. Think about it. He's on the cross. His mother's welfare, her, his mother's well-being was on his mind because when he's hanging on the cross after he's been whipped and, and bloodied and taunted and, and, and beard pulled out and thorns and everything nailed to the cross, he looks at John and says, take care of my mom. Treat her like your mother. His mom was on his mind on the worst day of his life. Well, I don't want to say that's wrong. Not the worst day, but the bad day of his life because he knew there was glory behind that. You look at, you look at uh, uh, later on with uh, Peter, okay, and he talks to, oh, I'm sorry, the thief. The thief, he looks at the thief, and he has a thief on his mind as well. And he tells him, the thief says to Jesus, hey, pretty much I believe in you. I, remember me. And he says, you're coming with me, man, while he's on the cross. And then you look at, you look at, the people that nailed him to the cross. The people that actually did the crucifixion and actually nailed him. They were on his mind because when all was said, he, looked, he said to his heavenly father, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. So do you guys agree with me that people were always, was always on Jesus' mind when he walked this world? I mean, we have so many accounts we can go through the Bible. You'll always see people on his mind. And so that raised a question for me. That raised a question for, for, it should raise a question for all of you guys. Why were people always on Jesus' mind? Why were they always on Jesus' mind? I mean, we know there's value in people. We know we're all created with the unique. We know that we're all, we all come from God. But, but why were they always on Jesus' mind? And there are three reasons I want to share that with you guys. And the first one is this. Jesus knew the heart of the Father. That's why people were on his mind. He knew the heart of the Father. Jesus knew the heart of the Father better than anyone else had ever done or did. Wherever Jesus went, Wherever he was going, he was reaching people. Now, guys, let me, let me share one thing with you guys. Or actually, let me refresh you guys' memory. We, Resurrection Life Church here in Holland, Michigan, we believe we have been called and ordained to be here on 40th and Washington. Do you guys agree with me? This is a God-given place, the way God's done things uh, and how past leaderships, God was doing stuff. And continually doing stuff. And I honor everything that was behind. I honor every single person back there because of the work that God was doing here, number one. Okay? But number two, the mission has always been about the people. When you would ask any of our staff, okay, or maybe even our key leaders here, and what's, what's Res Life's mission? What, what, is, what is their statement? Res Life family exists to bridge the gap, gap between people and Christ. We want to take people, lost sheep, and we want to point them to Christ and bring them over and remind them, hey, and bring them into completion. That's why we do church. That's why we're here at Res Life. That's why we're partnering up with Holland Rescue Mission. We're about to go out of those four walls and continue that mission. We're going to continue that mission. Some might ask, but shouldn't we, shouldn't we be about God and what we need to do for God? And the answer is yes, we should. But when you think about it, when we are all about God, we should be all about what God is all about. And guess what? God is all about people. people. That's right. And when you have that mindset of, well, I'm about God, that's good because we have to be. But God is all about people. 
And that really brought a, a, a lot of uh, check it into Jesse's life and saying, where am I at exactly? You know, when, whenever the Pharisees in the New Testament, and those were the religious leaders of the law, whenever Jesus and the Pharisees would encounter each other, the Pharisees, what they would always do is they would put value into something. You should do this and you should do that. And when the Pharisees were putting value into something rather than someone, Jesus would correct them. Jesus would rebuke them. He would use scripture to teach them and show them something. You guys getting that? You see, the Pharisees would try to put value into something, and Jesus was showing value into someone. He knew every person by name. And by heart, he thought of us by name when we were on the cross. For instance, when you look at Mark chapter 2, in Mark chapter 2, you see where the, where the Pharisees are challenging Jesus, and Jesus corrects this. We look at the Sabbath day. I still hear it today. We talk about the Sabbath day. We need to take a Sabbath, and that's great and all. But the Sabbath comes from the law, and we need to take the principle out of that. But the Sabbath, Jesus says, the Sabbath in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. All Jesus was doing was he was bringing everybody back to the heart of the Father when they were trying to bring it way over here. People would think, well, I have to do, 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 and Jesus would say, no, hey, it's been done, done, done. I'm going to show you the heart of the Father. Here's another scripture that I don't have up there, but 1 Corinthians 13, starting in the first three verses. You can, you can speak all the tongues of angels and all of man. You sound like a resounding gong or a cymbal. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you, can, uh, you can fathom all God's mystery. You can have faith that moves mountains. But if you don't love, <laughs> if you don't love your neighbor, if you don't love people, if you don't express the agape love, unconditional love towards people, you are nothing and you gain nothing. You are nothing and you gain nothing. Are you guys seeing the heart of the Father now? It is people that are in the heart of the Father. So every time Jesus was, was challenged by the Pharisees and the religious leaders, every time they said what the law says, the law says, Jesus showed compassion. And he says, grace says, and truth says. And he brought them right back to the heart of God. A woman committed adultery by the way, was set up by these people. Gets dragged, thrown before God, Jesus, thrown before that. And they say, Jesus, the law says, because of her sin, <laughs> we need to stone her, put her to death. And Jesus stooped down. A lot of people, I mean, we, people get creative. Well, what is he writing on the ground? You know, I believe he's just writing truth and grace because, Jesus, because God himself back in Moses' times wrote in stone the law. And you see Jesus writing something down here, which I think he's just revolutionizing this entire world. But anyways, being thrown down, Jesus, Jesus says, well, first one that does not have a sin can cast the first stone. Paraphrasing it, obviously. Throw it. Plump, 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 plump. <laughs> they're all falling they all walk away Jesus looks at the lady and says hey where's your accusers they're gone aren't they hey I'm just telling you just don't sin no more 
And man, the one thing I pointed at, I saw that was really pointed out to me was that when Jesus says, one without any sin can cast the first stone, the only person that could have done that was Jesus himself. And he chose not to because of truth and grace. He's the only one that could have picked up a rock and done something with it. But he said, nope, bloop, and dropped it. Jesus was always pointing to the Father's heart. Everyone say Father's heart. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, okay, now we're talking about people again, okay? Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Hear Jesus. Everyone say, hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? Have you ever heard anybody say, man, they're muttering under their breath? <laughs> Maybe we mutter under our breath, right? When we mutter, all that is is just complaining. We're complaining. And the, these people were complaining about what Jesus was doing. But Jesus was constantly showing lost sheep the heart of the Father. He was bringing these people back to the heart through him. In Luke 15, 10, uh, it says, Jesus says that all heaven rejoices even when one sinner repents. I'm going to say that one more time. When one sinner repents, there is a party going on in heaven. One sinner. It says all of angels, all of heaven is rejoicing. Man, I, I was wondering the other day, I said, man, one sinner repents. When I repented that one day, you like heaven had a party and God's like, yeah. I'm like, man, what happens when we do it at the same time? Like five of us at the same time. I mean, it's crazy up there, isn't it, God? They rejoice. They rejoice over one sinner repent. Everyone say the heart of the Father. Now, the other, second reason why Jesus had people in his mind, even when he walked this world, was because Jesus knew that, the, uh, that reality of eternity, the reality of eternity. He knew that it was real. Eternity is real. And Matthew chapter 25, verse 46 says this. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That one verse Jesus said, that Jesus spoke, proves that people are forever. People are forever. And he's saying whether with God or without God, we're stepping into eternity. We're stepping in there. He wasn't ashamed to talk about the eternal damnation versus the eternal glory of God in heaven because he understands this stuff is real. His heart is wanting all people. But the reality is eternity is real with or without God. And we're going to continue to proclaim that because if you take that part out of it, out of the scriptures of we talk about eternal hell and everything like that, you took almost a lot of Jesus' words. Because he spoke about that all the time. Because he understands that it's reality. It's real. It's real. And that's why he made a way through him. That's why he became the doorway. He knew it to the point where it changed his traveling plans. It changed his entire track. Every time he'd walk somewhere, he, something changed, and he took that direction, knowing there's a person out there. For instance, it caused him to talk to a Samaritan woman who was at the well that was married five times and living with a, man, a sixth man that wasn't even married, and it changed her life. 
It caused him to tell a young, rich ruler truth. It also caused him to weep over a city. Jesus' traveling plans were always uh, uh, changed in direction, knowing that there's a person going this way or there's a person over here. The reality of eternity was driving Jesus to witness truth to people. Everywhere he went, he was speaking truth. He even said it. He says, I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. There was two questions that I asked myself, and I want you guys to ask yourself. Don't answer them out loud. But I really want this to sink in today, okay? How is our witnessing going? How does our leading people to Christ look like right now? Right now. I'm not saying give me a highlight of your past. Right now is what I'm talking about. How, how is it going with us witnessing to Jesus, about Jesus Christ to people? I shared this story uh, earlier this year. I'm going to reshare it again because I know some people didn't hear it. Um, and don't throw stones at me, please. Okay. So here's the thing. When I, I youth pastored for about six and a half years, and I had fun with these guys. I mean, I loved them. All, a lot of them are adults. Actually, all of them are adults today. And some of them are here, and, um, and others are in school uh, all around the United States. I think even out of the United States, they're, they're doing stuff. Um, but I used to love coming with Madi and just ministering to teenagers. Teenagers are just, just awesome to me. And she loved it, I loved it, and um, I would just come up with these creative ways to just, what can stick into a, a teen's mind that they can see Jesus in, in just everyday things, and so some of you guys know the story, but I decided to buy goldfish, I bought 10 goldfish, and uh, I went to the pet store, um, I think it was called Petco, and they wouldn't sell them to me, so I went to Meyer and they sold them to me, and so I was going to use them as an illustration, and, um, and so what I ended up doing, long story short, is I grabbed the bowl, 10 fish, and I just told them, you know, the, the fish is in its element. The fish needs the water to breathe, to live. But if I pulled the fish out and I grabbed the one fish with my hand, I go, what's happening to this fish right now? They said, well, it, it's breathing air and it's going to die. It needs to be in the bowl. I said, okay. So I threw it back because a couple of the girls were saying, throw it back. Don't do that. Cruelty to animals. And so <laughs> I ended up doing that. So I ended up, I'm like, okay, this is get really bad. I grabbed the net. True story. Grabbed the net. I grabbed all 10 fish. Okay. And I had all of them out of the water, okay? <laughs> and then I threw it on the ground, all the fish. I know. Oh. <gasps> There's a redemptive message behind it. They gave their life. No, I'm just I just listen to the story first, okay? And they were flopping. They were flopping. And I have never seen, at the, at the time, probably had like 20, 25 kids at the time. And I have never seen a group of teenagers get rowdy, like from zero to 60, you know, just, just like that. Like, oh, my God. I mean, some were jumping on a chair. Some were like, crucify Jesse. No, they weren't saying that. They weren't saying that. But they were mad. They were mad. Okay? They were really mad. And like, why would you do that? And I said one thing. I said one thing. I said, what are you going to do about it? And they got out of their seats. They, I mean, it's disgusting to them, but they grabbed the fish, threw them, I mean, like one at a time, and they're flopping everywhere. One girl claims it hit her face, whatever. So I grabs and grabs and throw, throws it, in the, throws it into the, to the bowl and saves all the fish, okay, for the moment. They died yet the next day, but for the moment, they saved the fish, okay? They saved the fish. Don't write anything to me, guys. I'm making that part up. All right, so uh, they, they, okay, so they throw the fish into the bowl, and I said, what caused you to do that? 
They said, we knew they needed to live to get, they, for them to live, they needed to be in the water. I said, and what did you do about it? They're like, we had to save them. We knew the answer. And I challenged them. How many times do you sit in school knowing that your friends or peers are struggling in life and you have the answer? And they're flopping, gasping, dying, and you do nothing about it. Think about that for a second. Why did I do that illustration? It's extreme. And we, the kids actually, which are adults now, they still talk about it every once in a while. But why did I do that illustration? Because there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. That's why I did it. I mean, people can be mad at me all day they want. I did it because I wanted the, people, the kids to understand that there is really a heaven and that there really is a hell. I wanted the teens to see people the way Jesus sees people. That was it. That was the only reason why I did it. And it sunk. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud of a lot of those guys because they rose up. And before you know it, people were showing up to the youth group. Like, we didn't know. Like, oh, this is awesome, you know, because they knew the answer. And they were going to bring them back to the water and put them in there. Just amazing. Jesus always had people in his mind. Everywhere he went, he had them in his mind. And the third one and last one. The reason why Jesus always had people in his mind is because Jesus knows and sees the potential of people. He sees their potential. Luke chapter 19, verse 5 through 8 says this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. What's mutter? Complaining, right? All the people started complaining because Jesus is calling Zacchaeus and saying, I'm going to your house today. I think they were jealous. That's what I think. But here's the thing. People started muttering and complaining about Jesus. He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner? A sinner is what the people said. Jesus don't understand. He's a sinner? And he's going to go hang out with this guy go to his house? And probably fellowship and eat with the guy. How dare he? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to repeat that again. If I, Zacchaeus, have cheated anything out of anyone, I will pay back four times the amount. And the reason why I repeat that is because Zacchaeus was a stingy, gritty man. But when Jesus was around, when he encountered Jesus, <laughs> he knew Jesus sees me differently. That's why people were calling Zacchaeus a sinner, because they knew, they knew Zacchaeus' reputation. How many times are you looked at by your peers or your coworkers? <laughs> that person, yeah, yeah. And Jesus said, hey, you, and put your fill in the blank, your name, Danny, Dinah, Madi, Eddie, Anita, Barney, Paul, Adriana, come down here. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to hang with you guys today. And Zacchaeus came down, came down, and they went. People saw a stingy, gritty man 
Zacchaeus. Yet, who else could have seen a generosity in a greedy person? Jesus. Jesus did. Everyone saw Zacchaeus as greedy, but Jesus saw him as generous. And I'm going to reread the last part of that verse. And I will pay back. That doesn't sound greedy to me. I will pay back four times the amount that I owe them. Does that sound greedy to you? Because Jesus saw potential in Zacchaeus. Jesus knew, yeah, everyone thinks you're this and you're that, and maybe you've done this and done that, but I see generosity in you. I see something in you. I see it. Zacchaeus, come down here. Yes, Lord. And it just motivated him. He gave four times back the amount. Only Jesus saw generosity when people saw greedy. (laughs) You still don't believe me? Who else could have seen purity in a prostitute? Think about it. Jesus did. He saw that in Mary Magdalene. Who else could have seen boldness in a bumbling and fumbling disciple? Jesus did in Peter. A man who denied him, but he saw boldness in him. Read Acts chapter 2. You'll see what Peter did stood up before the crowd and got people coming to Christ. Jesus saw that way before it happened because he saw the potential in people. Here's the biggest one of them all. (laughs) Who else could see the potential in you guys? Yeah, but they're saying this and they're saying that. Who else can see the potential in you and in me? Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus sees the potential in you. You're in his thoughts all the time. He is interceding for you right now in heaven. You represent him here on earth. He represents you in heaven. That's it. That's, That's the relationship. When you can go to someone and say, hey, I got a friend named Jesus. And however you do it, and you witness, and you minister, and you give them truth, knowing they need air, knowing they need to get back in that bowl of water. You're representing your father. You're representing Jesus Christ. And at the same time, Jesus said, hey, God, hey, angels, Michael, come here. Come here, dude. Check him out over there. He just got three people to come to me. Let's party. Let's rejoice because they repented. They repented. Let's do this. Look at, look at him. Look at her. She's struggling and suffering. She's doing but she's doing it in my name. God, check it out. That's what's going on. He sees potential in the people. Generosity, purity, boldness, courage, confidence, courageous, wise. That's you guys. He sees that. I don't care what you score, what your score was in the uh, SATs or ACTs or whatever they're called. <laughs> you don't test things that are super hard. I don't care what degree you have or degree you don't have. I don't even care if you're a high schooler here today and you've dropped out. There is still potential in you that Jesus is. I don't care if you don't have a job and it's not high paying or whatever it is or I'm going to live paycheck. I don't care. Jesus sees the potential in you. And you need to say, God, you said it earlier this morning when we were worshiping. I open my heart to you, God. You see potential in me, in me. And you need to grab that 
and you need to gnaw on it. You remember gnawing? No, no one remembers gnawing. Meditate on his scripture. Thinking in here, and when the devil tries to get that bone that's in your mouth called a blessing, uh, you ain't gonna let it get him. You guys, come on, last week. <laughs> Do you know what Jesus thinks the moment he sees people? This is what he thinks all things are possible with this person in my power. All things are possible with this person my power potential in people uh, I'll close it up with the story uh, in, in high school um, by the way I was supposed to graduate in 2004 and I graduated in 2005 so I was a super senior okay some of you guys are like, what is that that means you went to high school for five years they gave you a cape and every no I'm just saying they didn't give me a cape <laughs> But they called us a super senior, you know, and I, you know, I just kind of, I was distracted by her, you know, just, <laughs> no, I, I honestly didn't take it seriously. That's why. And, you know, and a lot of, a lot of, not, not to bash teachers, teachers are great, Dinah. And so, and here's the thing, you know, there was just this one teacher that really saw potential in me. He would tell me that. Now, everyone was great, you know, and I had my differences and stuff like that because I was immature. But there was this one teacher, even in my immaturity, he would tell me, hey, Jesse, one day you're going to be a teacher. No joke. He said that to me. His name was Mr. Sissing. I went to Holland High School. And he goes, and he goes, Jesse, and I didn't even know he was a believer. He goes, Jesse, you're going to be a teacher one day. And I said, no, I'm not. And I literally said it just like that. Oh, I'm not. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I can see it. He's like, you, you're going to be a teacher one day. Like, okay, you know, and I, man, I love that guy so much. Ran into him about a year ago, got connected with him a couple times or whatever. But it was just amazing to see, to hear that. It felt good, even though I didn't want to acknowledge it. And fast forward, I <laughs> look at what I'm doing today. He saw, he saw potential. It, may not, it might not be in an elementary school or whatever, but I'm going to teach people the word of God. He saw that in my immaturity. He saw that when people weren't saying that and didn't even see that. He called it out. He called me out. And when I ran into him last year, he, he goes, Jesse, what are you doing? That's exactly what he said. We were, we were in the parking lot of Aldi. We ran into it. It was like wintertime and snow. I remember it was cold at night. He's like, what are you doing, man? I haven't seen you like in 12 years. What are you doing? And I said, I'm, at the time I was a youth pastor, but I'm, I'm, I'm youth pastoring right now. And he's like, you're a teacher. Teacher, you're teaching. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Sissing. Call me Mike. I can't do that, Mr. Sissing. I'm <laughs> not joking. Just call me Mike. I can't do that. I just can't do that. He saw potential in me. And that really drove me to graduate. It was because of him I grabbed my diploma. When I couldn't pass, he said, come to my class. I will help you through this. And it was that credit I needed. Go, go figure, God, man. He prayed with me. He had me on a prayer list. I didn't know all that. I found out later because he saw potential in me. And I thank God that he sees potential in all of us. I don't care where you're at. You might be thinking, I, my life is going nowhere. He sees potential. But I, I keep messing up. He sees potential. He sees potential. Everywhere Jesus went in the New Testament, read it. Jesus saw potential in people. 
And that's why sinners wanted to hang out with Jesus. Sinners. Because they felt that embrace. They felt that love. They knew they were believed in. Jesus was the only one that saw them differently than any other religious leader. A religious leader says, no, you're a sinner. I categorize you. You are cut off from us. And Jesus says, no, come here. This is my sheep. Come here. He saw them differently. I encourage you guys. I'll close it with this. I encourage you guys. Pursue people through the eyes of Jesus, not through any other type of eyes, but through the eyes of Jesus. You know and you have the answer. Remember, Jesus is infused in you. And when you can't do it, he is doing it in, through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go in and close our eyes and bow our head. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for just all of you, Father God, and what you have continually to do in our hearts, Father God, as we just surrender. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to speak to us right now at this moment. For about 15 seconds, we're going to be quiet and we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys are being called right now to just join the family of God. Some of you guys are being called back like the prodigal son. You've realized, man, I messed up. I got to go back to the father. Some of you guys, the spirit of God is just, just dwelling things in you. He wants to get you involved and rise up because he sees the potential of leadership in you. But wherever you are at, here's an invitation to everyone. You need a Lord and Savior. You need to be strong when you are weak. You need to have peace when there's a storm going on. And he is that. Jesus Christ is that. With every eye closed, on the count of three, if you want Jesus or come back to Jesus, I want you to shoot your hand up with boldness. One, I need Jesus. Two, I want Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. The best decision you're ever going to make. You know it. You're being called. And it's not a calling of, I'm going to send you out. It's a calling of, hey, come to my arms. Because I want to embrace you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Someone's wrestling in here. I know it. Someone is wrestling. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you and pray with you. Shoot your hand up right now. God bless you guys. We're going to do this as a church family. Because family sticks together, right? Pull one hand over your heart, everyone. And repeat after me. Say, God, I believe in you. I believe in your son. Jesus, thank you for walking this world. Because you understand me. You relate to me, and you still love me. Jesus, I am sorry for all the wrong I've committed. And by my faith, I receive your mercy and grace. Holy Spirit, dwell in my heart. This is your home. Help me with everyday life. And God, Father, I love you. 
thank you for using me as your son or daughter. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children, shout out.